Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Another trading day brings a mixed type of bag. Let me tell you, corn has seen the upside. It is lower on the beans and the wheat. Unfortunately, the livestock on the cattle side, not so pretty. A lot of negativity going on there, but it is mixed as these hogs continue their battle to stay on the upside. We're going to talk about what some factors that are hitting this market. Hard to believe we are halfway through um, not only the summer, but halfway through this marketing year. We're going to talk about that. We had some big USDA reports the first half of the year that are weighing in on the trade. We've got some bigger ones coming up in the second half. How's that all going to fit, and really, how is it going to affect your marketing plan? Mike Zuzalo is joining us. He's with Global Commodity Analytics, and I think, though, we've got to start with this wheat market because, you know, yesterday it was wheat that led everybody um, in the trade. Now, today, Mike, they've kind of pulled themselves back and in some to double-digit lowers. Yeah, and we've had a couple things develop here as we've come back from the holiday, Susan, other than the hard red wheat having a real difficult time getting pulled out of the field and, and producers able to cut in, in Kansas, southern Kansas especially, in northern Oklahoma, and, and that those custom cutters being able to move into the central northern parts of Kansas. We saw Monday afternoon USDA put the Kansas harvest at 46%, that compared to 80% last year. And I think that really turned the heads of the fund community and also the cash markets as well uh, once we came back from the holiday trade. And I think that really made us focus more upon what's happening in terms of what's the delay about. And essentially it's about too much rainfall in areas that have been in severe drought, but also areas that maybe had the best potential yields to boost the state averages for both Oklahoma, northern parts of Oklahoma, and southern parts of, of Kansas. And so I've been watching very closely the Pratt, Kansas, east to Wichita, and then south into, say, Ponca City, Oklahoma, and Alva, Oklahoma. That's the area that I think the trade is most concerned with. I'm most concerned with it because those areas are looking at three, maybe four, maybe even five inches of rainfall in the next five days. And I think it would be safe to say that the hard red wheat harvest progress will probably slip even more in this upcoming Monday afternoon's report uh, versus this week's. And so that was really what we dealt with on the Wednesday trade, I think, and hard red wheat really led the show. Thursday, it was more of a mix. We had weaker outside markets, strengthening dollar, weakening crude oil, weakening equities markets, weakening copper. That really, I think, hit the soft red wheat, as did expectations that the Sovicon numbers were going to go up in exports for Russia on their wheat crop and also the French yield coming in very, very strong on the early harvest over there in the winter wheat crop in France. Lastly, Ukraine's Zelensky was going to be talking to Turkey about the Green Deal. So we started to see this split in the market. Spring wheat, uh, more worried about dry weather. Hard red wheat, more worried about too wet a weather. Softer and we more worried about the demand side of the equation, I think. What about this upcoming agreement to, to continue or not to continue? Do you think at this point Russia might say, okay, we're done? I, I think they could. Um, I, I don't think they will be that blunt because we've extended it three times. They've threatened it three times, but they've come in in the last minute and said, okay, we will go ahead and extend it just because they don't want to look bad. And I think that's especially probably the case um, because of what's happened in Russia with that potential overthrow um, from from Vladimir Putin's perspective. But I would also say that I thought Bloomberg uh, News did a good job this week, and, and their headline of uh, this story was, as Ukraine deadline approaches, green deadline, 
uh, the pact is already broken. And what they mean by that is essentially in terms of exports, um, it's already near a 10-year low this season, this marketing year, at just over 30 million metric tons going out of Ukraine versus what they're used to shipping, 45, 50, even 55 million metric tons in exports uh, in terms of total grain in a marketing year. So my sense is, is that the between the smaller crops in Ukraine and Russia, um, the drought hit crops in the European Union, um, and, and what we're facing here, uh, I think the grain deal means the least. It's probably men in almost two years, and so we'll see if that's the case as we come up against that July 17 deadline. You know, some get rain, some don't get rain, Mike. Others, as, as social media has been flooded in the last probably 24 hours, they get hail and winds that have destroyed crops in, in sections of Nebraska and eastward into our, our neighbors in Iowa and over in Illinois, Indiana. Markets, as we move forward, how much are they going to pay attention to that crop destru- destruction? I think they will pay a, a lot more attention after July 12. After I saw the acreage data and the grain stocks data, it seemed to me from USDA on June 30th, the market just went straight into the acreage play and did not really look at the grain stocks at all. They saw that the weather was was uh, kind of flattening out in terms of the ridge, letting rains come in. But Susan, on July 12th, we're going to get a new WASDE report, and that's where we get the fresh yield numbers from USDA. And by my calculations, we are getting closer to the last year's average yield of 173.3. And we could actually, I think, go below that because I think before the rains came through and before the grain stocks and acreage numbers came through, the trade was getting more and more nervous about a, a less than a 1.5 billion bushel carryover in the corn. They, they've totally flipped on that, and that as such, it's taken you know the, uh, the the December corn down to fresh two and a half year lows this week. But I think we could be below a two billion bushel corn carryover this year yet pretty easily, especially if we don't see much of a rain pattern develop in, in the northern half of Iowa, Illinois, North Dakota clients, southern Minnesota clients still looking pretty droughty. And so, whereas maybe seventy five percent of the corn belt east of the Mississippi River was in a 2012 situation yield-wise and drought-wise before the rains came, before these reports came. Maybe it's more like 30% now, but the weather market's not over yet, and, and I think that's where the, the WASDE report could set us up along with a hotter bias uh, where we come back around and have to face some hotter supply-reducing weather issues again. All right, well, stick around, folks. More's coming up. The second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell right around the corner, right here on the Rural Radio Network. Here's an update on what's going on at Fontenelle Hybrids. We're combining with the Channel brand and the other nine regional brands to create a new enhanced Channel Seed brand. And we're excited to announce your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer will be carrying select Channel products this fall for the 2024 growing season. That's an expanded product portfolio with the same great service. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer for details. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. ARVN. Welcome back now to the Fontenelle Final Bell here in the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Mike Suzlow. Mike, of course, with Global Commodity Analytics. And let off at the beginning, talking about being the first half of summer is already done, Mike. And it's been an interesting uh, first six months of, of this trading year. Kind of give us your thoughts of, of where we've been with all these USDA reports and really what's yet to come. Well, it's a good time to talk about this, Susan, because we are back into 
I think more of a Federal Reserve driven marketplace uh, just this week. In fact, today, as we hit the airwaves, um, the two year bond yields have hit the highest level since 2007, June of 2007. So we're dancing on a 16 to 17 year high in terms of interest rates in this uh, short term money market, for lack of a better word. Uh, and, and I think that's because of the Federal Reserve, after having paused in the month of June, they're looking at probably two more rate hikes this this year in the calendar year. And, and this is in the midst of the Chinese economy slowing down and not really being able to speed back up much after their zero COVID policy restrictions were lifted. And I'd say we too here in the United States are entering into or dangerously close to a manufacturing recession where we're starting to see some pretty bleak numbers on the manufacturing side while the services side still stays very, very strong. But I think this is very commodity intensive news, very commodity intensive macro information. And I think it really is important for the livestock and the consumption side for the beef and the pork and the poultry at this stage, especially as we get closer to the fourth quarter. So that's where I'm at as, as far as the second half of the marketing year um, in, in terms of not just looking at the weather, but also looking for that long awaited pause by the Fed where they don't raise rates and pull money out of commodities through higher interest rates and a stronger dollar, but also waiting for that long turn in terms of getting demand back in our export market for the grains. And, and that's what we're still waiting on. And I'm hopeful that as we get into 2024, we will have made that turn on both of those, but probably not going to do it before the fourth quarter would be my guess. How much of a stress factor do you see that putting on the trade in general? You know, I think the fortunate thing about this is that's part of the reason why the crude oil market cannot rally or doesn't seem to want to rally, even though OPEC is cutting supplies. And they did it again at the beginning of this week, both Saudi Arabia and Russia pulling back a million and a half barrels a day. And, and you know, we're down almost five or a little over five million barrels a day in terms of pullback on supply and production. Uh, but I think the market is trying to factor a lot of this in because of those bond markets and those currency markets are signaling them to. So I'm hopeful that as we go into the fourth quarter and recession becomes more apparent uh, in China and maybe even here in the United States, that uh, the market will have done a good job of factoring a lot of that in. And so I'm actually looking for maybe a more like a 2004, 2005 type demand bottom in the grain markets, an export-led market, finally, for two or maybe even three years. That's something that's on the, that I'm kind of on the hunt for and, and reaching for at this point. So as this crop or the second uh, crop comes through with Brazil, do we expect our wires to kind of still stay on the quieter side? Yeah, I mean, we're still going to face pressure from Brazil, especially if we find, you know, another weather-related rally in the month of August or, you know, late July, early August. Um, because of the, what the, the USDA yield numbers and also the weather coming back into to the tier one type mindset of the trade. But that's kind of perfect timing for the South Americans as they get ready to plant their new crop. And so I think we really do want to be sellers on rallies still um, and, and look to maybe reown after harvest. It, you know, I'm kind of shooting from the hip here because that's so far out, but it, but it's something to keep an eye on because We've seen the corn basis in particular fall so dramatically, even with the futures going down, the golf basis in corn is now only about 50 cents over. Um, that's about uh, 40 cents lower than it was three or four weeks ago. And that's with the futures market that's turned lower as well. So I'm hoping we get the export demand back. And then by the time we see 
the harvest or shortly after harvest, we've got reason to buy some uh, crop back. What's your thought on the drop that we see in this cattle market again today? Uh, I, I think the, the, the market's going to have an issue in the feeder cattle, especially uh, what we're seeing in terms of the cash market is probably going to stay very strong because the buyers are going to be out there with the weather improving in the southern plains. But the funds have run the fun- feeder market sharply higher against the corn market. And so this next 30 days, you could actually, I think, see the feeder futures drop, even though the cash market stays very, very strong. It's something that the chart is even kind of showing because we've now got an August feeders a gap above the market and two gaps below the market. It's extremely choppy, extremely volatile, in large part, I think, because those funds are playing that feeder corn ratio and that spread so aggressively. Great conversation, Mike. Best way for folks to get a hold of you? Best way is to go to globalcomresearch.com, globalcom with two M's, research.com. Take a look at our product services, PDF, and sign up for a two-week free trial. All right, that is today's Fontenelle final bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That's a Fontenelle final bell being brought to you today by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe. It's the Fontenelle final bell on the Rural Radio Network.